0: Welcome
1: to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K.
2: Good evening and welcome to the Andre K Show. This is day two, part deux of the weekly Andre K Show. Glad to have you all here with me uh, tonight. Coming to you from beautiful San Diego, California in the AM 1170 KCBQ studios. And sitting in the booth with me tonight, well, c- almost in my booth, kind of close to my booth, actually in his own booth, kind of step, uh, got a dynamite. Nearby. You're nearby. Exactly. Do you, is that a dynamite proof? Glass booth? I hope so. (laughs) That's Paul. You all know Paul. In addition to being a great board op and great engineer and, and producer... He's also my boots on the ground sports reportage. So if, if I've got a few minutes coming up later in the show, you know, bless Dylan's heart. He was sick yesterday. But when I when I tossed it to him regarding the NFL, he dropped the ball on that one. And he said to me later, he's like, you know, Paul's your guy. Yeah, he NFL, fumbled. He fumbled. So um, hopefully I'll have a few minutes to squeeze in a little bit later uh, to chat with Paul because we didn't really do the playoffs uh the justice that it deserved yesterday. Um, We talked a lot yesterday in last night's show about American values and which was really part of a firestorm that was created with Cruz and Trump, by the way, lots of different ways to be a part of the show. You know, I count so much on your feedback. Uh, to me in terms of topics and ideas and just comments and suggestions. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. Frame me on Facebook, like my fan page, as well as there's a comments page on my website, which is Show.com. So I appreciate all the comments and suggestions and support there. I think that that's one of America's values. That we're, we are part of a community. We care about each other in this country. We want to help support each other. And I am still haunted in talking about American values. I am still haunted by the movie 13 Hours that I saw over the weekend. And I cannot think of a more moving tribute to American values than seeing that story played out on screen with these heroes literally defying orders to fulfill the, the most sacred value. I, I don't say I don't know if sacred's the right, right word. But it was all about self-sacrifice, being literally being willing to give up their lives for a fellow American. It didn't matter if they, that they were not even in America. Those were fellow American citizens. And when you look back in this country, like the greatest generation of World War II or any of the hotspots or wars that we've faced around this country, even wars here on our, on our own soil. The American spirit and the American value, love of country is so deep that these men, for strangers, these men literally, they not only went to help try to save the lives of fellow Americans, they actually defied orders to do so. That movie still haunts me. And I actually reached out to some of the, the real heroes, a couple of which have not come forward. We still don't really know who anything about Jack Silva and who he was. It was very different. I had seen them in some interviews prior to seeing the movie. Very different seeing them last night. And that movie haunts me. And I hope, I hope it not only haunts Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama in their personal lives throughout the rest of their lives. I hope it haunts them while they're in prison because that's really where they need to be. They intentionally left them there, left those Americans there to die. This, uh, I saw interviews with people coming out of the movies. It absolutely should be weird. A couple of weeks away from Iowa, and we have, um, from Breitbart, we have Matthew Boyle, who's going to be calling in from Iowa, and give us a little update on that coming up in the show. And I'm really hoping... That the American people, I'm absolutely pretty much convinced, barring some unforeseen whatever, that the Republicans are going to have, a, have a, win the presidency in the general election. I mean, you look at historically and the American value is in, in this country. Talk about values is once once a party's had a couple of terms, a couple of cracks at it, especially a party that's had such dismal results. We're going to get into some economics uh, throughout uh, the show here that typically the American people go, you know what? You had enough time. Um, but I still want. Hillary Clinton, even if she never does a perp walk, even if Barack Obama never does a perp walk, I want their careers to be completely damaged, if not completely destroyed. It's not enough that Hillary Clinton not become president. I want her to pay more for that. But one of the things that I didn't uh, get into with the movie yesterday, because I wasn't really sure how appropriate it was, and it was kind of a pebble in my shoe, kind of niggling at me. And if you're just tuning in, this is The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer one of the scenes that bothered me so bad in the movie, and I apologize if I am, you know, um, revealing anything here, um, spoiler alert, but there was a scene uh, at the end where women, um, Libyan local women and Muslim women came forward to the dead sons, brothers, etc. men after they had t- killed Americans in a terrorist attack and the women are crying and wailing And I actually childishly pretended to throw a hand grenade at the screen at these women. Because quite frankly, as much as we talk about in the Republican Party and conservatives about Islam being a political system with a religious component that subjugates women and children, in many ways, um, in many ways, the women are actually part of the problem. They participate in this. We have women like in Paris that are strapping on in, and in Israel. And oh, by the way, we've got David Weisman who's going to be calling in, giving us a, a terror report uh, from Israel. Women who actually strapping on suicide vests. We've got women. It's not the men necessarily taking the eight-year-old girls down to, to be tortured under the act of female genital mutilation. It's women participating in that. And isn't it the women, the hand that rocks the cradle? Don't women still have some say-so, some control, if not, any, if not anything but emotionally, in raising the children and help cre- helping create them for who they are? There's certainly a, a responsibility there. Some people could say, well, they're oppressed or whatever. You know what? There is no way that a, as, a, as a Muslim woman, that any man could survive the honor killing of one of my daughters. It wouldn't happen. So there's a real problem culturally with that. But that's what o- Obama and the Republican Party are seeking to bring here, um, as though, you know, there's a possibility that these people can assimilate into our society. Not only can they not uh, assimilate into our society, and tar- on top of importing this culture, they can't and won't assimilate into our society. That's the best case scenario. The worst case is that they want to completely destroy us. And on top of all that, now new new reports have come out getting into some of the economics here. There's financial assistance, not just in the form of giving them food and clothing. I mean, these are people coming here with no skills. People coming here with, can't speak the language, with no desire to assimilate, can't because you you know they this is a political system. On top of all that, we now have through the federal government, through something called the International Rescue Committee, is going to be giving special low-cost loans to help them start businesses here. The business of what? Replacing the Constitution with the Koran? It's meant to, quote, help refugees access credit affordably and move up the economic ladder. Shouldn't we be doing that for Americans? Americans. Shouldn't we be doing that for our veterans who were returning? We even have reservists who go and, and, and spend years now in these battlefronts like Afghanistan and Iraq and come back and don't have their jobs anymore. But no, we want to impart Islam here. That's what the federal government's doing. Let's import in Islam here and give them loans. And the only thing you talk about the housing bubble that the liberals created with their mindset that everybody's got the right to own a home and giving it really expensive loans to people who had no capacity to pay it back. How are these people qualifying for these loans? Strictly on their immigration status. And Paul Ryan's on board with this. $17 trillion in debt, and we're importing Islam into this country, and the taxpayers are providing them low-cost loans to do it. And on top of it, it involves training, technical assistance, business plan development, management, bookkeeping, etc. So the free market, what was supposed to be the free market capitalist system here that made us the greatest, wealthiest country in the world is now being handed over to Sharia, basically. It's the it's the Sharia market place. And what do we also know about what's going on with these refugees? We know that there's mass rapes. We know right today. I don't know if you guys saw any of the footage that came out of the British Parliament that was um, actually argued over whether or not to keep Donald Trump out. Look at the irony of this: the British and the, because this is what America wants here. There's a reason why Barack Obama, after Benghazi, scapegoated the First Amendment. There's a reason why, after San Bernardino, the the Justice Department with Loretta Lynch scapegoated the First Amendment. They want what's going on over there in Britain right now. What's going on over in Britain? They literally argued to keep Trump out. Why? Because he said some words they didn't like. Meanwhile, they've already got over there what Obama's trying to do here. They've already, they've already opened up their doors and imported in people that are just roaming all over England and Europe, raping and murdering and setting up shadow governments. That's okay. That's acceptable. What's not acceptable is to speak out against that, which is all that Trump was trying to do. We have more reports about refugees here already in this country. Five Muslim men are behind bars today after they brutally raped an elderly woman. How did they even get access to this elderly woman? She comes outside and sees all these people in a kerfuffle and helps make peace. They invite her in for some lemonade, lemonade, you know, Bill Cosby style. Then she wakes up and she's been so raped. And so she's in a puddle of blood with permanent lifelong injuries. That's what they're trying to import here. And I wonder if these guys are in line to get a loan from the federal government. It's crazy. We got to get control back with, with, some, with some voting at the booth and get the right person in office. Hey, when we come back, we're going to take a break. We're going to talk, speaking of that, and getting the right person in office, we're going to talk to Matthew Boyle from Breitbart, who's calling in from Iowa. Because, see, we're just two weeks away from the first primary in Iowa, don't change that dial, folks. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170.
1: Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E.
2: Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Glad to have you all here with me tonight. Hey, that song reminds me. We're going to be doing a little Hollywood segment coming up here. You know, I don't have Della B with me today. Y'all know I had Dell on last night. But we're going to still... There's there's more controversy coming out of Hollywood than just the movie 13 Hours. We're going to talk about that a little bit coming up. That, movie, that song reminded me of that because Stallone won a Golden Globe for Creed. Trying to connect the dots here. Hey, before the break, we were talking about... We got to get some we got to get the right person in as president here because we have just gone completely mentally, financially, economically off the rails in this country. As I was talking about Benghazi and the and the refugees being flooded here and, and all of that. And so I'm pleased to be able to bring to you all calling in from Iowa to help us break down what's happening in the election process in the first the Iowa caucus is coming up in just two weeks is none other than Matthew Boyle from Breitbart. Hey, Matthew, thank Thanks for calling in the Andrea K. Show. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, um, you must be, I'm especially grateful because in Iowa, you know, this is the time of the year to where all the candidates and all the reporters are busy at the fair, you know, trying to sample the latest deep fried Tuna salad sandwich or whatever. So, thank you for taking the time
3: to. I know yeah, it's exciting times here in Iowa. This morning, uh, the family of uh, legendary actor John Wayne just endorsed Donald Trump <gasps> uh, oh! for president. And so uh Aisa Wayne, his da- John Wayne's daughter came out and endorsed Mr. Trump and uh Mr. Trump walked through how he's very uh uh thrilled and honored to, to have gotten the endorsement uh at a at a press avail inside the birthplace museum in Winterset, Iowa. Uh, with, uh, with, with John Wayne's daughter there. Uh, and she said that if John Wayne were still with us today, he obviously passed away back in 1979. Uh, but if he were still with us today, he'd be standing right there with Mr. Trump. So,
2: wow. The Dukes, the Dukes family back in the Donald. Yep. Did she say why? Uh, She said that we need a strong leader and somebody who's going
3: to uh, be able to to kind of turn the country around and kind of get us back on track. Mm -hmm. And so uh, and and look, I think that, you know, there's a lot of similarities between what we saw out of John Wayne in the movies uh, over the course of the 20th century and the the tough guy mentality that we're seeing out of Donald Trump on the campaign trail. And so mm-hmm. I think that really resonated with the Wayne family, no doubt yeah. about it. And yeah. That's why they're standing
2: with him. Yeah, America's looking for a rooster Cogburn. That's what I think. Hey, um, the uh, all eyes supposedly this morning were going to be on Sarah Palin and whether or not she was going to be back mm-hmm. in the Donald. What do you know about that? So uh,
3: later today in Ames, Iowa, about an hour away from the Winterset event, uh, and I'm on my way over there right now uh, around uh, uh, four or five o'clock uh, central time here, uh, the, uh, the Donald Trump is going to be doing another big event, uh, which he's going to have a very special guest. Now, everybody thinks that it's going to be go- uh, former Alaska Governor Sarah Palin, the 2008 vice presidential nominee, who gets behind him. Um, they, they've been kind of cryptic at this point as to whether or not it will be Palin. Uh, Mr. Trump was act, asked about it this morning, uh, at this press, uh, press conference at the John Wayne birthplace. And, uh, he, he laid out, uh, that he, he, he says, first off, uh, nobody knows who it's going to be, but he likes Sarah Palin a lot. And meanwhile, we're seeing from Trump's chief competition, Senator Ted Cruz, uh, who's also the two of them are kind of atop the field right now, not just in Iowa here, but all across the country in New Hampshire and South Carolina and pretty much every single state there, there are those two guys are running away with this thing. But the, um, the Cruz campaign was out trying to preempt the, the whole Palin thing, saying that if she does end up going through with an endorsement of Donald Trump later today, that it would be a blow to her credibility. And oh, please. so I don't know if that, that, that's going to fly, uh, you know, too well. Uh, and then in response just now, Sarah Palin uh, posted on her Twitter account um, uh, a, a tweet and a link to uh, one of her, uh, her daughter Bristol's blog uh, questioning whether or not, um, you know, that kind of activity by Cruz's campaign is, is why people don't like it. And well, I mean, uh, he's kind
2: of feeding Trump's n- comments yesterday, which is he's nasty. I mean, why Why is she, you know, come on. There, didn't the Republican Party learn anything from the attacks on Sarah Palin before? Why go there, Cruz? How is all of this Cruz and Trump battling between the two of them? How is that playing out in Iowa? These are very conservative people, <laughs> uh, c- typically referred to as the the most evangelical of any of the electorate. How is this whole battle battle between these two, how is it playing out? How did yeah, they perceive
3: um, it? You know, I, I just got back from South Carolina, too. So I was just in South Carolina yesterday, just got to Iowa last night. And so talking to grassroots people on the ground in both places, which are two of the most conservative states in America, one of the things you hear is that people like both Trump and Cruz, um, they're both. Strong leaders. They've both done amazing things for the conservative movement, but they don't like the personal sniping back and forth. Mm-hmm. They do like the competition between the two of them, and we have to expect that out of candidates for for the nominate for the nomination uh, for the Republican nomination for the presidency, and eventually in a general election. But they don't like the personal back and forth stuff that we've seen over the past week or so. And so, if Palin, if Sarah Palin does end up coming forward and endorsing Donald Trump later today, as many people expect that she will. But I think I think it's going to be hard for that personal stuff to continue between Cruz and Trump. I think Cruz is going to have to uh, kind of drop the personal stuff, even though Trump has done it, too. Um, But again, one of the things you hear from the base is that they want to unite behind a conservative right. to take down the Washington Republican establishment and then take down the Democrats in the general election. Well,
2: Cruz was considered um, to be one of the most brilliant uh, men in Washington, and really, he you know, he kind of damaged that for me when he went after Trump in the first place with the whole New York values things and all that. There has not been anybody who, uh, since this whole thing started, who has successfully attacked Trump. Did he not learn from Bush? You know, it just does not work for whatever reason. Well, I mean, Come on. You know, the, the,
3: yeah, the, the 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 graveyard of failed Republican <laughs> presidential campaigns in 2016 is littered with the victims of Donald Trump. Exactly. Um, and, and I mean, look, Rick Perry, Scott Walker, Bobby Jindal. Uh, We could go. I mean, the guy, every part but Lindsey Graham, every single one of the candidates, George Pataki, every single one of the candidates who has dropped out so far has done so after failing to attack Donald Trump. Uh, And uh, again, um, you know, many of the candidates who are still in are suffering because of it. Look, Rand Paul is a really good guy. So is Ted Cruz. Uh, Both of those guys have done a lot for this country in the United States Senate. Um, they, you know, after Rand went hard after Trump, he saw a significant decline in the polls. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, it's not like conservatives are immune from it either. Uh, people are flocking to Donald Trump because in many ways, he you know, uh, getting back to the, what happened this morning, he represents the, the you know, a, 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 a John Wayne of politics. Uh, right. People want a strong man. They want, they want their own, uh, Trump may be a bully, but he's our bully. He's America's <laughs> right. bully. And that's, that's what people think. Well, I think, think people also, well,
2: yeah, I mean, I think that, that many people look and say, you know what, when, when, we need a bully now because we're dealing with bullies. When you didn't, we all learn when we were in the seventh or eighth grade that when you're dealing with a bully, the response is the only thing that you can do is punch them back in the nose. McCain yep. didn't punch back in the nose. Romney didn't punch back in the in the nose, and we lost. That's one yep. reason why Trump is resonating. But but in the end, does Iowa really matter? Because didn't Santorum and Huckabee both win Iowa in in the past? Why is this even critical? You know, I think I think it could end up mattering
3: this time around. Uh, um, I, I think here's, here's, here's the interesting thing, right? The two guys that have a shot at winning Iowa and look, I, I don't profess to have a crystal ball, so I don't want to say I know what's going to happen one Dang way it, or the other. Because I wanted
2: you to tell me. But, okay.
3: <laughs> but I mean, the two guys that seem to have the best shot right now, about 13, 14 days from the caucuses are Ty Cruz and Donald Trump. No doubt about it. Both of them are in prime position here in Iowa and, um, the, you know, the, the, the both of them, unlike Huckabee and Santorum last time around, have sophisticated national campaign operations. Mm-hmm. So they have the resources to take this thing deep, 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 deep into the election. Um, so a win in Iowa for Trump or for Cruz would be something that really sets them on a uh, on a um, a path of momentum that could could really. Uh, shape the later states in a way that Iowa hasn't been in the past when candidates would go all in in Iowa and then they might be able to pull out a caucus victory, but they didn't have any staff or funding or resources. Right. Uh, anywhere else. Both Cruz and Trump are well-organized nationwide and Mm -hmm. in all the states, and especially in the next states after Iowa. So if Mm -hmm. either one of them pulls it off here, then the question is, will they pull it off in New Hampshire? And then will they pull it off in South Carolina? And so um, if if anybody really puts together a good... a mixture of two of those first three states of Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina, uh, a win in two of those first three, they usually end up going on to become the nominee. Now, again, this is a year that's different than uh, in everything politically. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Maybe yep. somebody wins all three of them and doesn't get their nomination.
2: Right. This um, is the Andrea K. Show, and we're talking to Matthew Boyle from Breitbart, um, talking about New Hampshire. Well, before I go into New Hampshire and whether or not Christie is a dark horse, um, in Iowa with with Hillary and Sanders, please tell me that you think I, I'm not one of these people that predicts that she's ever going to do a perp walk, and um, you know ever see repercussions for any of anything that's been done. But I would love to think for Benghazi as well as other. You know, with the emails, I would love to think that the people of Iowa right now have gone to see that movie, Thirteen Hours, and then there ain't no way they're going to vote for her.
3: Well, well yeah, actually, Trump is uh, rented out a theater and is giving away free tickets to show off the Thirteen Hours movie. Um, but Genius the, uh, in Iowa, and so that's going on uh, as we speak. But the um, but the as for Hillary, I mean, Bernie Sanders is is, is this the, the campaign for Bernie Sanders is real? Um, it's 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 mirroring what President Obama did back in. 2008 remember back then at this time back then everybody thought Hillary Clinton was going to be the Democrat nominee in 2008 That's true. and then all of a sudden here comes this guy out of nowhere Barack Obama and he won the nomination in the White House um, I, I don't I think it's foolish to underestimate Bernie Sanders the mainstream media has been doing their best to protect Hillary I mean did you see that latest debate uh, they did on Sunday night they did it after Americans watched two football games right. in the playoffs.
0: Right. playoffs and, yeah. and
3: people weren't and it was it was very late on Sunday night, and it was uh, before a holiday weekend. People weren't paying attention. They've been they've been doing this over and over again. The DNC has been purposely hiding Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. to try to protect her from serious questions right. and, and from serious scrutiny.
2: Right. And, yeah, I watched a little bit of the debate before Real Housewives of Atlanta came on, and then I had to turn on something more intelligent. Um, <laughs> but um, getting into New Hampshire, you talk about coming out of nowhere. Some people are saying Christy. That, that Trump and uh, look, Cruz I might know, be canceling the themselves out.
3: have been trying for a very long time to push Marco Rubio, mm-hmm. um, who, uh, you know, they, they know they can trust in the Washington donor class establishment because of his work on the amnesty bill mm-hmm. with Chuck Schumer and those guys. But Christie is somebody who is gaining momentum, no doubt about it. Uh, he uh, in the establishment lane, uh, he may end up uh, being a dark horse in New Hampshire. And there's a lot of talk here in Iowa, too, that Christie could finish in the top two or
2: three. Well, that'll be interesting. Now, last question for you. You had an article that was at the top of Drudge uh, yesterday that had to do with the G O P given N B C the high heel and the forehead. What was that about? Mm-hmm. So after the CNBC debate in
3: Colorado uh, last uh, uh, last October, um, which obviously John Harwood, uh, the co-moderator there, did a horrendous job. It was roundly panned by everybody for a horrible job moderating the debate. Uh, the RNC uh, uh, started off by suspending NBC's plans to moderate the February 26th debate in Houston, Texas. And... Um, Then officially yesterday, the RNC's debate committee voted unanimously on a conference call with Chairman Priebus. They voted unanimously to uh, extricate NBC's involvement in, uh, in that debate entirely. So they were originally, they had been just suspending it, and NBC had been hoping that they would be able to negotiate and, uh, and and somehow reattain the moderation of that debate. Now this is significant because CNN ended up getting the debate, and CNN's done a pretty good job, I have to say. Hats off to those guys. Uh, Jake Tapper and, and Wolf Blitzer did a great job with the two uh, Republican debates they've done so far.
2: Yeah, um, and I lo- and everybody's everybody's been talking uh, today about Tapper throwing that question out at Hillary. Um, has she been investigated yet by the FBI? Ooh, she if she could have Vince Fostered him right then and there, she would. You
3: she was not yeah, and, happy. And, and NBC is going to lose a lot of money because of this. So this is a very yeah. significant deal because with the amount of viewers that are tuning into presidential debates, especially that late in the cycle, mm-hmm. uh, there are millions and millions of people. And that's tons of ad revenue for whichever network moderates it. So this is a big move by the Republican Good. Party against the mainstream media. A little late it's, because it's after development, right,
2: because after 2012, what they should have done when Candy Crowley planted that evidence at the crime scene with that, they mm-hmm. should have they should have boycotted CNN at that point and her dopey state it's of the year. Union and oh, and Tolly Stephanopoulos. they they still shouldn't be going on on, on ABC and yes. and NBC deserves too because the little bit that I watched of that debate Sunday night with Lester Holt—I mean, come on! You know, I I got a half chocolate lab, half Sharpey that could have come up with better questions and sh- and sharper questions for those candidates than Holt did. Sunday night. I mean, it was ridiculous. The the GOP yeah. should be boycotting NBC just because of the the way that they cowed to the Democrats. I mean, uh, well, yeah, ridiculous. Again,
3: they're, they're, the whole effort is designed to protect Hillary. They ended the debate seven minutes early because she, you know, she clearly couldn't handle continuing because
2: <laughs> she doesn't uh, and, have and the energy. Also
3: Trump's right. They had that giant bathroom break right in the middle. Right. right? I remember they came back from commercial and then they went to analysis. I mean, did they ever do that for the Republicans? Are you <laughs> kidding me? No way. Um, they go out of their way. To protect Hillary Clinton than the Democrats, right? It's obvious, and they deserve to be punished for it. And so, good for the RNC for doing uh, what they awesome. do.
2: Awesome. Well, good for you taking the time to call in the Andrew K. Show today, Matthew Boyle from Breitbart. Uh, thank you so much. Any any uh, last thought? Any hot article you're working on today? You want to share? Well,
3: I would just say keep an eye on uh, what's going to happen in Ames, Iowa, later tonight with uh, with you know the big endorsement for Donald Trump. I think you know this could be this could be a game changer. Awesome. We'll see.
2: All right. Well, so thanks so much for be calling. A all right, enjoy Iowa. Thank you, Matthew Boyle. All right, all we're right, gonna. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We come back. We got more on the other side of the break. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
1: Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is a business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com Or call today at 8- 877 Seven 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 four nine three five three three. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM
2: 1170,
1: The Answer.
2: Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me tonight. Um, interesting choice of songs there, Paul. Before the break, he did a song about the law. I, I fought the law and the law won. Well, I am hoping that the law is going to win against Barack Obama. I'm not necessarily completely hopeful because the same Supreme Court that's going to be hearing this case is the same one that decided that Obamacare wasn't a tax and ordered it to consider the case ripe and subject to hearing and then turned right around and said that it was a tax and therefore okay to perpetrate on the American people. So I'm really without a whole lot of confidence in SCOTUS at this point, but they are going to hear a case that was decided by a lower court. They're going to hear a case about Obama's executive orders. We, earlier in the show tonight, we were talking about uh, the refugee situation and bringing, the you know, Obama has just decided that he is the law. He is above the law. He makes the law. That it ain't about the Constitution anymore. While he swore to uphold the Constitution, he's decided, you know, Mr. Constitutional Lawyer, smirky. I used to teach this stuff. Well, you know, you either don't understand it or you don't care about it. And I think we know the answer to that. Uh, the attorney general for the state of Texas said that uh, uh, hopefully SCOTUS recognizes the need for separ- separation of powers. The court should affirm what Obama already said 20 20- times on 20 different occasions, Obama said that he cannot unilaterally rewrite constant, uh, congressional laws and circumvent the people's representatives. And that's exactly what he's done. And worse, he's done it to bring in more people like the refugees I was talking about earlier that, that drugged an, an elderly woman and raped her. We've got um, more of that, that ideology was found in mass graves that were filled by ISIS. children, Now, Obama pretended to shed some tears for some children who were horrendously murdered in Sandy Hook, but he has never shed a tear. In fact, he's never spoken out against the Holocaust that's gone on against Christians and Yazidis over there. Children hung on crosses, children decapitated. Now, what has he done? He's criticized Christians and defended Islam, so much so to where he said the future does not belong to those who slander the prophet. That's who he's bringing here. So SCOTUS, do your job. And we also need a Republican president who's going to come in and do his job. And maybe, maybe it won't be too late for a Republican to come in and do something to stop this Iran nuclear deal before it's too late. We're finding out today that the American hostages, they were not this was not a prisoner swap. The Americans were not justly held over there. They were not convicted properly in a free court of law for crimes, they were hostages, held for ransom, tortured while they were there. And that's who John Kerry thanked for helping our sailors, helping our sailors. You mean the Iranian government who helped themselves to our sailors' SIM cards and their phones. That's who Barack Obama is bringing here. It's like a old friend of mine always said, look around at the people you're with and that will tell you who you are. Those are his people. But Hillary says she's going to bring, bring the country together right before in the, in the debate Sunday night. I know none of y'all saw this. So I'll tell you about it. Uh, right before she decided to accuse white people of implementing white terrorism. We have a real race problem in this country now. I, I talked on last night's show about how we need somebody to, to unite us. It ain't you, Hillary. Not when you're calling white people racist. Not when you're saying stuff like one in three black men go to prison, and you know if this was happening with with white men, you know we'd be doing something about it. Well, what did the Democrats? Who's who's if you're if you're arrested and go to prison, whose fault is that? It's your fault. Maybe one in three. Uh, first of all, the stats are considered to be wrong with that, but let's say it is one in one in three black men they're committing the crimes, right? Governor O'Malley went on to say the solution for him and his state, what he did was he, one of the things he did to keep fewer black men from being arrested and put in prison was he decriminalized marijuana. There's something wrong in your community. When the way to keep your people out of prison has to involve removing criminal codes from the statutes. You got a community problem, but Hillary Clinton's not going to tell you that because she wants your votes. There is a war, the real, here we are a day after MOK's. Uh, uh, holiday. And what we have going on here is we have, we, we are a systemic racist country at this point. And, but in many ways it's towards white people fed with that kind of stuff from Hillary Clinton and the Portland community college. I don't know how far this is by the way of the community college up in Oregon to where a Muslim came in and demanded to know whether or not people were Christians before he shot them. But they've decided that April is going to be Whiteness History Month. Now, this isn't like Black History Month, where, you know, it's all about celebrating people who made great contributions to our society and the world, like Martin Luther King. Oh, no, this is about, it's called Whiteness History Month Context, Consequences, and Change. It's a, quote, multidisciplinary, district wide educational project examining race and racism through an exploration of the construction of whiteness, its origins, and its heritage. Uh, whiteness does not simply refer to skin color, but to an ideology based on beliefs, values, behaviors, habits, and attitudes, which result, here it is, in the unequal distribution of power and privilege based on skin color, skin color. The website goes on to say that this is not a celebratory endeavor. Of course not. Like Heritage Months, it's an effort to change our campus climate. They go on to explain that it's a strategy within higher education that promotes Multicultural education and equity. How do you promote equity when you're telling one class of people you're you're bad, you're the problem of all of society, everything wrong in society that's going on with any minority or anybody who who is, is a different shade of a skin color than you, you're the bad people. How how is that promoting tragedy by trivializing one race by fostering hate? Between different races, and oh by the way, I don't even believe in the concept of races. What is a race? Because somebody's skin is a little. I, I my coloring is completely different from my blood sister. Does that make us a different race? Or somebody from a different race because they come from their ancestors come from a different country? Well, here here in America, whose didn't come from a different country? You're demonizing white people in the name of equality. In the name, you're demonizing one race under the guise of stopping having. Race being marginalized? It doesn't even make sense. Uh, the our, This article goes on to say that the concept of whiteness, this uh, white whiteness history month, the concept of whiteness allows those who are socially deemed white as though somebody gets to decide what color you are. I guess, see, this is liberalism to where Bruce Jenner can decide he's a woman and Rachel Dozal can decide she's black. Uh, to uh, The socially deemed white to accrue benefits... Um, But those benefits are accrued at the expense of people of color, namely in how people of color are systemically and prejudicially denied equal access to those material benefits. How how have I ever kept a black person from any kind of material benefit? No, actually, it it was when I was a political science major and a sophomore in college in which my mother, who worked at at a federal government agency and knew people at uh, every different government agency in New Orleans, we were told white kids do not get summer jobs in New Orleans. Those go to the black kids. Affirmative action is systemic racism and discrimination against white people. That's what's really going on here. I was born to two Marines, no money, anything I have in my life, I got in spite of the fact that I had odds stacked against me. I didn't cry about it. And I'm not going to apologize for being white now. But remember who started all this? The guy who was going to be the great uniter, Barack Obama, who said in his book, white man's greed runs a world in need. Well, we've got a world in need. We've also got a world in crisis right now with uh, radical Islam everywhere. And Barack Obama's anti-white mentality, his anti-American mentality has led to just to uh, economically and militarily neuter America while emboldening, emboldening radical Islam around the world. And who sits over there to suffer the most? Israel. Supposed to be our greatest ally. On the phone with me uh, today, right now is David Weissman. All my Facebook friends out there know David. He's uh, doing me the honor of calling in um, from Israel today. He actually wrote a really interesting letter to Bibi. Now, y'all know I've had the biggest crush on Bibi for many years now. And like many Americans... You know, we, I was basically just raised to just have just unconditional respect and admiration for Bibi that he's absolutely doing everything he can to keep his people safe. We used to think that way in America. We used to think that our government officials were absolutely doing everything to keep us safe. Now we realize, you know, the truth of what's going on in our government. And David actually wrote an interesting letter, an open letter to Bibi. Hey, David, welcome back to the show. Hi, how are you? Good. Thanks. Um... So you wrote a letter to Bibi, and my questions for you are why, and what do you want him to do?
0: Okay, uh, well, why? Um, I wrote the letter because I am angry, uh, heartbroken. Um, every time I see a report of my people getting murdered, wounded, um, from soldiers to a mother to uh, fathers to children of all its and I'm wondering, why is there not more being done? All right. Um, so what do you want him to do yeah. then? Uh, well, for starters, we can stop releasing terrorists uh, that have been captured. Um, we ha- we've had terrorists that got released because they are uh,
2: on a hunger strike. Hmm.
0: Um, That's, we, ridiculous. We That's ridiculous.
2: That's yes, ridiculous. Uh, you know, could you, um, as a citizen over there, commit a crime against a, a fellow Israeli and then just decide not to eat when you're in jail and get released? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, of course not. Um, you also need to uh, start holding a uh, Hamas in Panama for all the incitement, and as well as Hamas and Tata. Um Did you know,
2: yeah, there is more that they could do, just like there's more that we could do here. And I don't know how much of what's happened over there. You know, Israel is such a free society, open to people of all faiths, all belief systems. And in some ways, it seems to me as though because Jews just love freedom so much because of what's happened to them, that so many seem to just... Um, losing kind of sight of the reality of the threats. Am I wrong?
0: Uh, you're absolutely correct. Um, and actually, I saw an article uh, then it was actually saying that uh, when uh, our leaders are actually being complacent, and uh, it's true. Uh, the working party right now seems to be uh, leaning towards the left wing element, you know, normally the right wing party.
2: Right. Well, um, keep us posted on whether or not you get a response and tell everybody where they can read more of your work.
0: Yes. I'm um, for a dispatches for the concern of Underground. Mm-hmm. And you can follow me on Facebook and my Twitter uh, is at David Weissman 3.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much for calling in, David. And you stay safe over there. You know I worry about you.
0: No, I never
2: will. All right. Take good care. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay. Um, we really need people of good faith and goodwill. Uh, it's kind of shocking to, to think that in Israel where they've been the subject of so many terror attacks that we're just now starting to experience here, would not be doing everything, but you know it, it can be overwhelming to government officials. It can also be a situation to where, and this is what Americans here need to understand. Part of the big argument right now is, oh, we've got so many Americans that are Muslim and they're not causing any problem. How can we deny them coming here? Once you allow your society, the fabric of your society and its traditions, be compromised with other cultures and other ideologies that are incompatible, then you stand to be completely taken over because there's the argument. Well, we've got citizens of this same belief system and they're not causing any problems. So the problem is not their belief system. When really it is. And we need to be courageous enough, like Nani Darwar said, we need to be courageous enough to name our enemy and its location. We actually had uh, someone, I, I can't remember who the individual was, but it, I think it was somebody from Hamas actually was invited to the State of the Union address. I got to shift gears on, and get into a little bit more economics because that is going to continue to be something that many Americans vote on just as much as, as, as terror. And uh, ridiculous, some of the stuff that was coming out of the mouths of the Democrats uh, on the stage. Uh, You know, uh, let's talk about how we're the wealthiest country in the world and then seek to try to destroy the very system that made it so. One of the things that makes me, my head explode is we have 94 million Americans out of work out of 300 million, yet both parties are continuing to talk about a 5% unemployment rate. I don't know what kind of common core math they're using, but 94 million out of 300 million is not 5%. And what is the number one thing that's causing? Well, there's more than one thing that's causing the unemployment rate. You've got incredible regulations that are coming down I think uh, we had the gal from New Orleans on recently who was the, the business merger gal. I think she said there was 80,000 pages of regulations. Complete government control is st- Stifling innovation, which is an incredible American value. We are, I read off some of the inventions that were created here in America. It's because of this phenomenal system that unleashed the American spirit and the American value of innovation and entrepreneurship that made us the wealthiest country in the world. And people like Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama have made it their mission to destroy it. And one of the ways that they're trying to destroy it is not only through regulations, which, oh, by the way, is part of the reason why Walmart is closing over 150 stores, impacting 10,000 employees, is uh, Obamacare. Um, here's something that the Republican Party is, uh, is talking about how it's broken. Um, they're going to repeal it and replace it, but they're not saying why they're repealing it. They're not giving clear details as to why it's broken, what that means. What does broken mean? Give hard figures to it. Give somebody something that they can hold in their hands to understand why it's broken, and then tell them what you're going to replace it with. Great article in Forbes that I read, um, five-page article, but I'm just going to give you a couple of the highlights. In Sunday's debate, Hillary Clinton said that uh, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, quote, is one of the greatest accomplishments of President Obama, of the Democrat Party, and of our country. Only if the complete destruction of our health care system and one-sixth of our economy is your idea of success. A study has found that Obamacare's mandate to require employer plans to cover young adults dependent up to age 26. See, so much of liberalism is about control and you've got to infantilize the population to get control. Uh, So hence the age 26. I mean, you know, my mother had three children by 26. Has reduced worker wages by an average of $1,200 a year. So while they're yammering on about equal pay and we got we to gotta force businesses to pay a higher wage, their, their own policies are directly causing wages to go down. Why has the Republican Party not quoted this? $1,200 a year. On top of it, in 2014, American taxpayers effectively paid about $6,000 for each person who became newly covered due to Obamacare. So, um, and the end result of all these under 26 people, how many of them ended up who were not covered before getting covered 3%. So 2.3 million young adults. So this article goes on to say, you know, um, basically, why hasn't the Republican party put it out there and said, you know, this doesn't even make sense. The, the net averse impact on wages is costing, depending on what you do for a living and how old you are, anywhere from 1200 to $1,600 a year and costing taxpayers $6,000 per person. And that there's no way had the, the Obama administration come forth and been honest with the American people that anybody would have ever voted for it. Oh, you got to pass it to see what's in it. Would well, we know what's in it? And The Republican Party is not being clear about it. This article says here, and I quote: uh, "You know, imagine if Congress had been presented with an honest assessment of the trade-off. We've got a swell idea to provide 3.2 percent of 19 to 25 year olds with coverage. It won't cost the taxpayers a dime. Not true there, but it will result in all workers having lower wages of about." $1,200 a year, all workers. How many members of Congress would have voted for it? Why has not a Republican, they're in Iowa right now. Even Trump isn't putting it quite like this. The article goes on to say, you would imagine that all sides of the aisle would agree it's worth something to provide coverage to the uninsured, but $6,000 a year? You know, the Republican Party needs to get really clear and simple with some of these economic things. Another idea that Obama's come out with, Liberal control uh, mandate is that he's come up. We were talking about this after um, his State of the Union address. He's decided to include a wage insurance scheme in in the budget. That basically, you know, anytime if if what this is about is somebody loses their job and then they get their next job pays them less than the previous one did. Well, you know, whose fault is that? Suck it up. You know, tr- get a, get a cheaper car. Cut your cable bill. No, Barack Obama's idea is to make the taxpayers cover the difference. He says the the, the it's called the wage insurance plan, and it would replace half a worker's lost wages up to $10,000 over two years for those earning up to $50,000. He, quote, displaced workers making less than $50,000 who were with their prior employer for at least three years would be able to leverage these resources to help them get back on their feet and on their way to new careers this is so typical, uh, you know, um, government making less than 50,000. Well, who, why not 51,000? Why not 25,000? It's so arbitrary. Why not 75,000? Because with this, with this government, you, you can't hardly live on anything under six figures. And why three years? It's so arbitrary. It's just such liberalism. And who's going to pay for this? Fellow taxpayers, How was it it Paul's responsibility to to make somebody whole because they switched jobs? Maybe somebody's taking less money in their next job because they decided to switch careers to pursue some other path for whatever reason. How was it Paul's responsibility? How was it my responsibility? There's no such thing as government money. And no such thing as free. The Republican Party needs to speak up and be honest with the American people about that. This article goes on to say, among many problems with this, this would serve as a disincentive for employers to pay good wages to new employees. Because they can know that the government or fellow taxpayers are going to make up the difference. It serves as a disincentive to workers to boost their productivity. It puts the government in control of everybody's income levels, which, which is what they want. It's all about control and ensuring uh, that uh, everyone makes whatever the government decides they should make rather than being determined by the market value. We, it's really clear who's got the better policy and the better plan for America. It's the free market capitalist system. And I'm not hearing the Republicans do a really good job of selling it. Hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got more of the Andrea K. Show. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk a little bit of La La.
1: Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E.
2: Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Welcome back to the Andrew K Show. Glad to have you here with me. I don't know where this hour went, but I gotta close, I gotta give a hat tip as I close today to Aunt Viv. One of my favorite sitcoms was the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I love me some Will Smith. At least I used to love Will Smith until he and Jada Pinka decided to come out and boycott the very industry and system that has made them fatter than Jay-Z and his lips, okay? She came, she decided to respond to Miss Jada who pulled a Malcolm X by saying that maybe it's time we pull back our resources and put them back into our communities. Um, Really? Give me an Oscar nod or else? Well, Aunt Viv, she came back and said to Pinka Smith, called her Miss Thing and said, among other things, does your man not have a mouth for which he can speak? because she's basically saying that Will is just mad he didn't get an Oscar nomination. She went on to say that uh, you ain't Barack and Michelle Obama, and y'all need to get over yourselves. You have a huge production company that you only produce for your friends and your family and yourself. And she goes on to say, you know, some of us have got mortgages to pay. we got bills to pay. We have bigger blank to worry about than the Oscars. Hat tip to you, Aunt Viv. I'm thinking Aunt Viv may end up voting Republican. Hey, thanks for joining me on this hour. Thank you to Matthew Boyle for calling in from Iowa. Thank you, David Weisman. Thank you all for joining me here. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Andrea K Show. I'm on Facebook. Have a great week, everybody. Love you all. And go to my website, Show.com.